Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal. Hello, my chickens. Today we are going to be continuing the conversation that we started on the podcast last week. All the same guest stars are here. We just basically (laughs) recorded one very long conversation, but we cut it into two episodes because it's just so dense and meaty and interesting, and I really wanted you guys to be able to digest. So before we jump back into that, I just want to remind you that if you want the free confidence cheat sheet I offer, which will help you build up your self-confidence, I'm going to tell you how to get that. I think especially in reference to these episodes, one of the things that I found so fascinating in these conversations is that while we think of online accountability processes, slash call in, slash call outs, slash cancellation, right, whatever term we use, and I always feel like I have to use all the possible terms because I want us to have a conversation about what even the differences are between those things and what's accurate and what do they really mean. We talk about all that in these episodes. But one of the things I thought was so fascinating about these conversations is that We are always afraid of being criticized by our in-group. And we talk about this in the episode that my students who are Black women were afraid of being quote-unquote canceled by other Black people. That as a feminist, I was afraid of quote-unquote being canceled by other feminists, right? And that's not about the circumstance, right? That's about our thoughts. And so I think that self-confidence is one of the themes that runs through both these episodes. And we talk about that quite a bit, right? What does it look like to show up with self-confidence? How can you hear critique when you do have your own back and you have self-confidence, how you respond to it when you do? And so I wanted to make sure that you all actually have some tools to help you with your self-confidence. Obviously, everything I teach is kind of about that, but I have the specific freebie called the confidence cheat sheet that not all of you know about. So if you want that, you can text your email address to plus one three four seven nine nine seven one seven eight four. Again, that's plus one three four seven nine nine seven one seven eight four. And when you get asked for the code word, you just text back confidence or you can go to unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash confidence. But either way, that will give you three really concrete practices, tools, exercises that you can use to build up your self-confidence. All right, let's dive back into it. You know, I want to share something I was actually watching last night. This might seem initially very unrelated, but I promise you. We trust you, Brenda. Take us wherever you want to go. (laughs) Let's do it. So last night I was watching on Apple TV. I think that's where it was. There's this documentary called The Year the Earth Changed. Have any of you seen it? No. Okay. So it's all about, well, this past whole year, Mm. starting from when the pandemic started. It's fascinating. And it talks about how nature changed in that year that we all as humans, like, Mm -hmm. stopped flying as much, stopped driving as much, stopped just being out in the cities as much. And it was so, so fascinating to watch. I mean, little things like they showed examples of how in San Francisco, there was this huge reduction all over the world, but they were giving this one specific example. And it was so cool to see, right? Like you could see the Golden Gate Bridge in the background and they were telling the story of this one specific kind of bird and how because of the noise pollution is down, now this bird, like they're able to do their mating call now and they can hear each other now more. And because of that, they like, reproduced more and they were singing in ways they haven't sang, I think 
since the 1950s. So like oh. over, you know, seven decades. And then they went and told so many stories all over the world like that. There also was a story that they shared about in India, how one morning they woke up and like, there's normally such pollution that the people that live there didn't even realize when the smog clears out or the pollution clears out, you can actually see the Himalayas. And so this morning, they're telling the story of how everyone like woke up and they're like, whoa, mountains, mountains. And it's like, seriously, gives me goosebumps. And they could like see it and they hadn't seen that like ever. And they've lived there, you know, their whole lives. And so anyways, I was just like watching this. And I think the reason that I'm inspired to share this example is because there's complexity of this, right? Like, I mean, I'm like listening to this and they're sharing all these stories about even the whales, how because of there's less boat travel, because of there's less tourism, they can now communicate more. So many examples. And yet it's not black and white that we would say, well, let's just all stay in lockdown <laughs> forever because the animals, right? Like there's just such complexity. And I think in fact, even just from the work we've done in our feminist coach certification with you, that for me is like, just feels like such a valuable thing to bring to any conversation, including the one we're having right now, where it's like, you know, when I'm watching this documentary about the animals and like they give examples about the turtles mating because there's not all the people on the beach and even species that are about, you know, we're close to being extinct. It's like things are just not black and white simple. And I think this is one of those conversations where that's a powerful stance to have, to be able to tap into, where I think we can give ourselves space and each other space. Not that we don't hold people accountable. I see the use of that, but yeah, it's just not so simple. I'm such a big proponent of like, let's just tell the truth about what we're doing or thinking to ourselves, right? Like there's something about like, even the phrase hold someone accountable. Like what if we just make the phrase... I want to hold you accountable to what I think is the right thing and what I think you should do, right? Like, that's the truth. And that doesn't even mean you shouldn't try to do that. Like, if I see someone beating someone up on the street, I'm probably going to try to hold them accountable to my belief that they should stop doing that. And I'm going to, like, yell stop and whatever. But, of course, the truth is I don't know why they're doing that. And maybe to them they had a really good reason. And, may, like, I have no idea. Maybe when they beat that guy up, the whales will have more time to mate. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, right? Like, or what the repercussions are. But it's almost like just part of, I think, the black and whiteness comes from this idea that, like, well... I have to be 100% right and you have to be 100% wrong yes. in order for me to like be allowed to tell you that I disagree with you. It's like so extreme, right? There's something about that and human thinking that like to me that's actually all that internalized patriarchy and white supremacy and all those other forms of oppression which is like we doubt ourselves so much that then we have to double down on this like certainty that we're right in order to like be allowed to say what we think about someone else's behavior or thoughts or ideas they're putting out in the world or their impact or whatever. It's that both end, right? Like mm -hmm. it's, they're either or, they're either right or wrong as opposed to both end. We, both of us are both right and wrong. There's, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like that both end for all of it. But I was thinking about, you know, like, is this the first time we've had cancel culture? Like, who was the guy who said that the earth wasn't round, was round? Oh, Galileo. Galileo, yeah, Galileo right? definitely canceled. Right? He got canceled, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Humans have always been like, let's go after the people who don't agree with us. Right. right. And he was right. right. And he was right. <laughs> exactly. Right. But like he thought differently, but yet 
they like canceled him. And it's like, and then if you think of like, like Salem witchcraft hunt, like mm-hmm. that was a lot of rightness in my opinion to some of the things and like, but a lot of the women got canceled like by white <laughs> patriarchal, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like this fear, but yet we act as if it's just starting, but it's been around. I guess it's because of social media. Now we have more access to it, but it's like more dopamine, but we have more dopamine going because of everything right now. So our brains are way more like in that lower brain, mostly like looking for things. And maybe to talk about that excitability of our brain, where we are right now as a society too. Like why are we more susceptible to it? Right. Yeah. Well, and it's also interesting what you're bringing up is like, this is always a question in social justice movements, right? Is equality that we get to now do the things that were done to us? Right. Right. Like, so, okay. The, so the Salem witches were oppressed and abused and hung now. And of course, obviously we want to be really clear. None of us are saying that like, being mad at Rachel Hollis for what she says is the same as hanging a witch. <laughs> like that's obviously like the, the right. consequences are, and I know you didn't mean that break. I just, you know, on a podcast, you got to spell it all out. Cause so you're going to end up with a 60 second <laughs> clip that takes things out of context. Like right. obviously these things are different. And mm-hmm. like the way people used to get, like we're using cancellation in kind of a light way to describe a whole host of consequences that have happened to people for thinking in certain ways. And obviously right. what's happening now is not as bad as what was happening then. They're not the same thing. But I do think there is like, This is the argument that sort of prison and carceral abolitionists would make about accountability processes and culture, which, right, which is sort of like, if everybody's redeemable, then everybody's redeemable, right? And like, if punishment doesn't cause change, then punishment doesn't cause change. And it's not different based on like who you are or what your following is or how much money or resources you have, right? Then that's also a very black and white position. Like, I'm not saying that that's right. I just think there are all these different perspectives, right? Even this conversation is such a perfect example. Like, We're never going to get a certified letter from the universe about whether online accountability discourse is actually a productive, meaningful, and proportional response to systemic injustice, or if it is a punitive, carceral attempt to have mob mentality. I don't know. We're just like, (laughs) we're never getting a ruling, right? So like, we have to decide, but I feel like the more we can do to be like, none of us got the certified letter from the universe that says that we're right. Like, it's our thoughts that would at least lighten it a little. I feel like one thing that's coming up in this conversation, and I'm curious what you guys think, is this distinction between the emotional aspect of this, right? Which is like the fear people have about it, the way people get off on it, the desire to control other people to feel better, the desire for other people to make you feel better for apologizing for your suffering or to make other people suffer. Like, let's not pretend that isn't a human instinct. (laughs) We've all wanted to make our loved ones suffer, much less people on the internet (laughs) sometimes, right? Like, that's a real thing that humans do. So there's like the emotional side, and that goes in many directions. And then there's the like, are there actual actions and reparations or changes that people need to make, right, in order to you know, atone for our idea of what they've done wrong or like for harm they've caused. I'm just curious what you guys think of that distinction. I do feel like maybe part of the reason these conversations are all over the place is that like all those things are being mixed up. Right. Right. And like being given the same weight, like, are you going to donate a million dollars of the wealth you got from profiting off of other people's labor to good causes? And, or are you going to apologize in a way where I believe you're sincere? Like those things are not the same thing and maybe should not be conflated in the same way. Well, on the emotional side, I think there's that like just carnal instinct to be a part of the in-group, like don't get kicked Mm -hmm. out of 
the party like or else <laughs> you'll die <laughs> and it's like that has exacerbated in like the time and age that we live in like if we get kicked out of a group we're not gonna die but we still have that fear that like oh my god so many bad things are gonna happen if these people don't accept me and I think just driving towards like being accepted or not being kicked out or not being canceled or being held accountable or like, you know, whatever you want to call it is driving that emotional side of it. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to conflate because like sometimes like my tea, but like people do need to be held accountable for some things, but like everybody shouldn't be held accountable by their worst mistake ever. The, The one thing they said that one time 10 years ago or like all those things. And that fear coming up is like anything I've ever done wrong is going to be put on a spotlight and I'll get kicked out and die. Which is just our own thoughts, right? A lot Mm -hmm. of people are running around way before this thinking if I did one thing wrong, that I'm terrible and irredeemable and I'm not good enough. Right. So it's like, we're just projecting, I think that common thought pattern. I mean, I don't feel like I'm like educated enough about all the examples to be able to give examples, but it does sort of strike me like, like when I think about now, why am I not so worried about being quote unquote canceled? I mean, yes, it is the self-work. And also I'm sort of like, well, number one, I just have done a lot of work on the stuff. So I don't feel super defensive. So like, if you want to tell me that I said something the wrong way or that I did something that you don't think aligns with my values or your values, I'm willing to hear that and make my own decision. And I think, and maybe this is like magical thinking, but I sort of feel like, well, I have like a long track record now in my business of like trying to live according to the values that I state. And like, I think the stereotype about these things is that like, well, you can be living a blameless life and you do one thing wrong and then you're destroyed. But like, is that really true? Or is it more like you sent a hundred racist tweets, right? Or is it more like, you know, with the Rachel Hall's example, like, or is it like, this is the third or fourth time people have been trying to have this conversation with you? Like, Mm -hmm. is it really just the one thing? Like, you know, I think that like black and white thinking adds to this idea that sort of, it's almost like it's activating our prey animal brain, you know, where we're like, oh my God, if one thing tries to eat me, then I'm dead. Like as though that's really what's going to happen when I'm not sure that that is really how it operates. But I don't know. I'm curious what you guys think. I don't even think this is an answer to what you're asking. That's fine. We're all just spitballing (laughs) here. Obviously, this podcast is not like, here's a cohesive theory of accountability processes. That's not what we're doing. um, I had actually thought about Galileo to this morning, Brig. Great minds think alike, I guess. (laughs) But sometimes very different. This is actually what I was going to say. So he had this idea that the earth was round. And also, I don't know the exact history on that. But like, I was just thinking about ourselves, like I consider myself a thought leader, right? And I think all of us do. And so he was a thought leader in that case, meaning like he had a thought that was different than everyone else's. And he's like, here it is. Here's what I think. I do think as a thought leader, it's kind of like the willingness to do that. Like, Mm -hmm. not necessarily actually like, What do we call it? Accountability discourse. Accountability discourse. But just the idea of like, I'm a thought leader. Plus, I am like actually willing to put out thoughts and ideas and work that is different that tons of people are going to be like, what? Like, just disagree with and not like. And that's what a thought leader does, right? Yeah. I mean, the other thing that's coming to mind for me as I'm thinking about this, and then I know Brig had something she wanted to say, is like, when people are quote unquote getting canceled, you know, when an accountability process is happening, I don't think it's usually because they have like a new idea. 
that people don't like, it's because they're embodying very long oppressive ideas, right? With Mm -hmm. like, it's fine for me to have sex with underage women, or it's fine for me to, you know, like have racial stereotypes, or it's fine for me to speak dismissively about people who have less money and opportunities than I do or whatever. So that's a really good point because actually I just like put this together right now. The reason my brain goes there is because for me, when I'm afraid of like, you know, putting stuff out, it's me actually just being a thought leader. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you just made that distinction, even just for me in my brain. It's like, okay, that's like, you know, you might put something out, someone might disagree with it, not like it, whatever. But yeah, you're, what you're describing is completely different. Yeah. I mean, I think at least when it's operating the way that we think seems valuable, which is marginalized people trying to call in or out people with more power and resources because they are perpetuating a systemic problem, right? As opposed to like having a new idea that people don't like. But for sure, there is some of it going on just because the more horizontal version of like people don't like each other's ideas, right? And decide that like that way of thinking or talking is problematic or is violent or is abusive or whatever. Mm-hmm. And those terms becoming so kind of like capacious, meaning so many different things that people are all over the place about it. What were you going to say, Briggs? Sorry. I think for me, I keep going back more so to the personal one than the structural one. And so I wanted to share like a personal experience of how cancel culture within me, like, and just share a little story. I was like, I have a group of friends and travel together. We do everything together. And then I did something to one of the friends that wasn't cool. Like I coached her without her permission, mm-hmm. but I was a baby coach coaching without her. It's so hard it not was a, to in the beginning. Right. <laughs> and, like, and it was a horrible experience for her. Like, and she repelled against me. And so for me, it was that council culture, but within that one little tight group. And so this is how I came up with my ideas of it by going through this experience. And the more she repelled away, the more I tried to like, but wait, but really, I'm not like this. And I kept showing up more desperate because mm-hmm. all of my attachment was like, if I leave this group, something's going to happen bad for me. I won't be able to travel. I won't be able to have fun. Like I was making this mean so much. And so, of course, the more I tried to fix it, the weirder I got. And it just repelled her more and more away. And once I finally like coached myself, dropped all the attachment, it's like, I love her and I can love her wherever. And I forgave myself and like, it's okay. And I just show up. Then it was like, and I accepted an accountability for like, yes, I did that to you and it was wrong and apologized to it and then took ownership of it and just said, hey, I'm human, right? Like I do some stupid shit sometimes, right? And so I think with cancel culture, it's like, I think it's that humanness. It's like when you get the call out or when yeah. something happens, it's like, oh, I'm human. This happened. But I think it goes back to your performative thing. Like when they're doing it just to like the desperate is so inauthentic. It just propels more people away. Right. As opposed to doing exactly what we want as a culture, which is to see real change. But that is really internal. Like I had to do that work internally. Yeah. Yeah. I think that goes back to, I mean, it is like that self-acceptance piece, right? You can see when people are called in or called out. And yeah, obviously like some call in and call outs are delivered with (laughs) more, (laughs) more love or less love, right? Or different ways. Mm -hmm. But like, 
that defensiveness, that digging in, that like trying to ignore it, right? It's like treating it as this sort of social ill or danger that's happening to you, right? It's like people's primitive brains activate, then they start to treat it like it's a threat. Then they start to respond like it's a threat, right? right? But they're creating all of that internal drama. And then of course, like the result is like more and more drama on the outside too, and like making it worse and worse, right? Right. As opposed to like, it's so interesting to think like, what would happen if you were a public figure and you were called out for something that you did and you gave it a lot of self-reflection and you truly and honestly were like, I completely understand this thought process and these values. I don't agree with them. Here's why I did it this way. This is what I truly believe. And like, I have the receipts to back that up and how I've shown up. I don't know. You might still get a lot of pushback, but it does just feel like you would have a different experience, right? Right, Sort of the way that you respond when you're like, oh my God, I'm under threat and I have to hunker down or attack or whatever like that. Right. Yeah, because when you were asking about the feelings and emotions, it's like you do feel like threatened. It's primal. It's threatened. It's danger. It's survival. It's urgent. And it's very visceral, those thoughts, right? right? Those feelings. Our brains are often wrong about that stuff, right? Right. That's why the people who oppose this stuff aren't all right either. Because just because you feel threatened doesn't mean something is actually a threat. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right? Like that's the whole point of thought work is your brain is wrong. Are you trying to say it's all made up? (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm, I think culture is maybe made up of thoughts and actions. The other thing that's coming up for me as you're talking, Brig, is like, I feel like a lot of these things are like coalescing into a couple of themes, one of which is like, when it's this vertical more call out of like, yeah, R. Kelly needs to stop abusing underage women. So we need to like, right? Like that call out, the point is not to change R. Kelly's behavior, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like we're trying to help him with his personal development, right? Yeah. The point is like... Whatever's been tried behind the scenes hasn't worked. Like he needs to experience consequences because we need to protect people from him. And in that case, like, because as coaches, I think sometimes we want to be like, well, you know, shame doesn't change people's behavior. So this approach is not going to change people's actual hearts and minds. But not all accountability processes really should be thought of in the same way because some of them are not about changing someone's heart and mind. They're about whatever it is, public signaling, economic impact on them. Like it's a cultural show that needs to happen. I don't mean show like it's not doing a real thing. I just mean like you're trying to like change their behavior or bring legal attention to it or hit them in the pocketbook where it hurts or whatever. But then I think the place that I see more of a problem is when it is this more horizontal, like you and your friends or people in your community or whatever it is, like you're not going to produce true understanding and behavior change through shame, through black and white thinking, like right through that process. And so I think to me, those are like, if you are going to initiate or participate in an accountability process of some kind, like any project or meeting, like be clear about like, what's the goal and what's the way to get there. Right. And as you were saying earlier, Brig, which I think is so right, like in that more personal space, sometimes you will have really clear cases, but there's be a lot more cases where it's more just like, we have different ideas about how people should be. What should relationships look like? How can you talk to people or not? Whatever. So it feels like there's like these distinctions between like action and emotion and like community and so public figure versus private people against each other. Like those are all important distinctions in how we think about these things. Yeah, that was a good way of categorizing it. I like that. (laughs) We've sort of talked about this, but sort of like, well, if other people don't cause your feelings, like even if you are quote unquote canceled, like why is that a problem? Right. Right. Like what's going to happen? And I mean, I think Amber pointed out in the beginning, like a lot of the public figures we see experiencing this, like. Like we said, like Rachel Hollis isn't living under a bridge, you know, <laughs> like they're like it's not, the outcome is not as bad as people act like it is. But I actually think in that interpersonal context, it is more emotionally 
stressful for people, right? Because then it is that like your own community, that fear of being rejected. And, you know, it's hard to economically impact Rachel Hollis. It's not that hard to economically impact someone in a smaller community, right? Where whatever you have more ties. Right. That's also interesting. Do you guys have anything else that you think we need to talk about or you want to say about this? It's really just like free association time. <laughs> it's like, this is also juicy and interesting and like there aren't really conclusions to be drawn. I just wanted us to be public about having like a real conversation about it. I feel like most coaches are like, don't look at it in the face and then it won't get us. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think all three of us, when we were talking, Brenda, Amber, and of course, Carl, we know you have put yourself out there. And like, so, but I think it was one of those things where am I qualified? And just noticing that fear, and it goes back to what Amber was saying. It's like, and Brenda, you said it too. It's like, we literally have to be self-sufficient, like having our own back and understanding where, like when our brain is doing that and when those feelings are coming, it's like, just understand where that is coming from and just use our own thought work. Like, okay. Let's go to work on this and clean all of this up. And as a member like the, of a dominant group, like in the sense of my white privilege, like I can say that the fear of that is directly proportional to how much you are, I think, feeling like you're living in integrity and aligned with your own values on this work. Like I think for me, I didn't have public pushback, but like I just, what I internally went through was a part of building my business where I like had values around diversity, equity, inclusion, economic accessibility, you know, neurodiversity and accessibility and that like all these different values I had that I just like wasn't fully acting on. You know, I'm not neither making excuses nor shaming myself for that. Like, I, you know, this is that's just where I was. That's what my thoughts were. I was building the business. I like hadn't gotten there to like dealing with my own brain about it. But then once I started dealing with that, the more that I have done that work, the less I fear, even though in some ways I'm like putting myself out there more as saying, I believe in these things. So in some ways it's inviting more critique of like, well, you say you believe in economic accessibility and okay, you have clutch scholarships, but why is this thing still expensive? Like I'm putting myself out there more, but I feel much more secure about it because I feel so much more like, you know, I never claim to be perfect or that I'm like a clearly still running a business, not a nonprofit. Like I'm not, you know, like I don't claim to be perfect at this, but I know that I'm taking steps and doing things that matter to me and putting my like self behind my values. And so what we're really truly fearing is our own self-cancellation, right? Like it's our own shame and terror that what other people will say about us is true. And then we will have to hate ourselves. And like, when you clean that stuff up, it just all feels so much less dramatic. Like you just don't feel as much like this is a thing to worry about. Right. Yeah. I-, I feel the same or what I would add to that. It's like, you know, as I was doing, especially in the, all of the business building process and all of it, but especially in the past couple months that I've seen like the biggest growth is like, in my brain, I just decided like I am willing to have people have whatever opinion and disagree and judge or whatever. And like where I landed, that is just honestly like so yummy, but also just like really rock solid is I know me, I love me, like I won't cancel me, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? So like if you want to, that's your business, <laughs> but I'm not going to. Oh my gosh. I actually have to share this example that you and I talked about this, Kara. I have all these epiphany moments really when I just discover like a new way of thinking about something. But I was thinking about like, I love rap music and like really the most ratchet, like tons of cuss <laughs> words. I love that rap music. 
So one time I was listening, oh my gosh, what was I listening to? I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was listening to it and I was thinking, you know what? I'm so sure like rap artists don't sit around thinking about if someone who loves like country music is going to cancel them right. and like not buy <laughs> They're their like, stuff. what does the director of the Philharmonic think about my next album? Yeah. And so, I mean, I just want to share that for anyone who might find it useful because is like, oh, like, okay, I just get to do my work in the world, right? And like, share what's been useful for me. And like, some people are going to be into it. And other people actually just probably cancel me all the time. And I say that in the like, totally the light version of the word, right. cancel me as in just like, not interested, disagree, don't like it. Unsubscribe. Unfollow. Yeah. And like, we laughed about that when I thought about it, because yeah, you know, it's it is a little bit of swagger too. It's like, okay, like, this is just, how I'm doing what I do. And like the way, you know, you were describing when you really feel like, of course, still human, totally. Like, I'm pretty sure everyone said that. And so just add me to the list. Like I'm an (laughs) imperfect human. (laughs) Like, let me just say that publicly, but we can still do like awesome things as imperfect humans. Right. And, but yeah, it just came down to, I know me, I love me. I won't cancel me. And being so public about that. I'm like, hi, yes, I'm Cara. And sometimes I'm a hypocrite. We all are. Do I care about (laughs) child labor? I do. Is this an iPhone? Yes, it is. Like, (laughs) I'm not pretending that I am somehow living this. And we talk about so much in the certification, right? Like, our job as coaches is to make space for people to love themselves, even when they not to just believe everything's perfect. And there's no such thing as a mistake if I don't believe there is. Like, yeah, that's true. But also you could just believe you fucked it up and did something wrong and still totally love yourself. And what would that look like, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the key. And I feel like if everybody did that, we would have less fuck-ups that people need to be held accountable for. And we would have less like uses of the process that aren't as helpful, right? Because just if everybody was in that space, it would have so much less of the component that's about people acting out emotional things rather than actually, well, there's some concrete like changes or things we need to make in the world. No, I was just thinking that that's why it's so important, the distinction you gave between the vertical and the horizontal, because I think the vertical is where the accountability work really comes in, but the horizontal is where the self-work really Mm -hmm. comes in and having your own back and knowing that like, even if somebody else doesn't like you, like everything will be okay. Like you think like my personal story with this is like my first consult with someone that I didn't know it was like a referral and she was a black woman like right up my alley like my target market and I bombed it like I didn't know how to talk to my people yet like I was still talking in a way that I learned from a different silo that Mm -hmm. did not work for my people and she was giving feedback and she was like disagreeing with stuff. I was like, no, no, no. It's like, it works like this and blah, blah, blah. And she looked at me like, bitch, you have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) and I was like, so scared. Like, I was like, oh my God, like nobody's going to trust me. Like nobody is going to think that I know what I'm doing. And when I say nobody, I mean the black community and (laughs) like, I'm not going to have any clients. Like I'm going to just, you know, die under a bridge alone. And (laughs) just being able to have my own back in that and be like, yeah, I didn't speak to her in the best ways for my client. How can I go back and see what I can do differently? But also knowing that 
everybody out there isn't going to be for me. Everybody out there doesn't need to be for me and need to follow me or listen to me or pay me or, you know, whatever. It's that I believe in me, like everybody else has been saying here, I love me, I got me, I'm not going to cancel me, but that doesn't mean that I can't hold myself accountable either. And then like just within like the horizontal thing too, like I just think there's like a huge difference in like, hey friend, you know, what you said was, you know, sexist or homophobic or racist or whatever it was, like don't do that shit anymore or like and just having like that kind of conversation versus like oh my god I can't believe you said that I'm gonna tell everybody that they shouldn't be friends with you anymore and you're horrible and blah 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 and it's just like it doesn't have to be some big drama filled thing like you could still have love and compassion for somebody that disagrees with you doesn't share your ideas or anything like that and like you don't have to be friends with that person if you don't want to yeah I think that's such also a good example of the like where the life coaching aspect comes in because we're always teaching people you don't control other people's feelings, right? And people don't have to agree with you for you to feel okay. And other people's emotions or words, like you're the one who can hurt your feelings, right? Like you get to decide what to believe and what to feel. And part of all of this conflation of all these things, right, happens because we're conflating material harm with what people experience as emotional harm, which we would all say is actually caused by your thoughts, right? And like, so that's why it can feel like either someone in your community that you know is responsible for it or that you want some kind of emotional atonement from a public figure that you really can't make them do, right? Like, as opposed to what your locus of control is, like, I can say something publicly, I cannot patronize them, I can sign a petition, you know, like, I can do whatever. But it does feel like everything, everybody's thought processes would be cleaner if we separated out, like, what are we trying to do here? What is the actual problem? Like, what am I thinking and feeling about this? What if this is mine to clean up? What if this do I still want to take action on? Right. It's like, does seem like all those conflations are what's making such a like confusing mess of things. Yeah. I wanted to say one last thing, which is like when we were talking about how we develop, like, I'm not going to counsel me, that I think when everybody does that and we take ownership of our own feelings, then I think we open ourselves up to have true dialogue Mm -hmm. to like, I think one of my things with the Rachel Hollis thing was, is like, that means that more people are going to be less vulnerable to share some of their thoughts, like, and have those discussions because they're afraid of being canceled. And so I think if we apply this to ourselves and everybody takes ownership for how they feel, I think it just opens us up to like create that change that we're actually wanting, especially on that horizontal level of like having those open dialogues, like, and I'm not going to cancel you because you said something that you weren't aware that could be looked at differently. And like, we can start working on it. Like Mm -hmm. if we open that up. Yeah. And I think that goes back to that being honest part of it. Right. Which is like, none of us, I don't think are saying like, and that's how you should do it. We're just saying like, if what you want is behavior and thought change, like this is what will produce it. If what you want is to make a public statement or to do whatever, and I'm not saying any of those are better or worse, right? But it's like, let's be honest about like, what's the purpose of this process? What are we trying to achieve? Which of these tools are going to help, right? If you are actually trying to create true thought and feeling change in another human being, we just know from the studies, even on dogs, (laughs) that like shame and punishment will not work, right? And that's not me saying, so don't ever use those. I'm just saying, know what you're trying to get and like what's going to produce it and be honest with yourself. I don't give a shit if this person's thinking changes, like whatever it is. I think that they 
should be publicly embarrassed for what they did. I think that they do need to experience economic consequences. I'm just fucking pissed. I want someone to yell at. Like, I'm not saying any of those are invalid purposes, even. Just that's why the self-examination of like, what am I doing here and why is like, oh, is always that most important question. Yeah. That seems like a good place for a podcast by life coaches to end. (laughs) Thank you guys (laughs) so much for coming on. This was such an amazing conversation and I know we're going to keep talking about it, but I appreciate you sharing your time and energy and personal experiences with all my listeners. Thank you. Thanks for having us. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is the podcast community for all things Unfuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying the concepts to your own life. It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will blow your mind even more. And it's where you can hang out and connect over all things thought work with other podcast chickens just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change your life. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. That's unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. I can't wait to see you there.